This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Pickle Park, a new beginning, let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Baby said she want to go to the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies holler Padre gang. Yeah, that. And good day, everybody. Welcome to episode 166 of the Talking Bears podcast and YouTube show. Coming to you live after the San Diego Padres took two out of three from the Philadelphia Phillies in the city of brotherly love. I am Ben Fadden, your host. You can follow at Talking Prairies on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok for daily Padres content and this YouTube channel for daily Padres content, trying to get to those 1,000 subscribers. Everyone joining live or on replay or on the podcast version, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, I appreciate you for tuning in. A good series win for the Padres. I think the pitching, most part, you know, minus Snell uh, in that second game was pretty dang good, if you ask me. Robinson Cano had a pretty good series. We'll highlight that. Yeah, did the Phillies not have Bryce Harper? Yeah. Did they dodge a bullet with that, the Padres? Did they dodge a bullet there? Yeah. But guess what? The Padres didn't have Fernando Tatis Jr. They didn't have Austin Adams or Pierce Johnson. You know? So it's not like the Phillies were the 98 Yankees, or weren't, excuse me, like the Padres were the 98 Yankees and they were playing the 2022 Reds. You know, that's not what it was. Um, So both teams were without their best player. And the Padres ended up winning, taking two. Out of three, game one they won, game two they lost, game three they won, and now they head to San Francisco 10 games above 500, which sounds good. It always sounds good to say that. 10 games over 500 without Tatis, I'll take that. Uh, They're going to play a tough San Francisco team, but before we move on to that series, let's talk about this Philly series. Uh, they, They came in after winning a series against the Braves, and now they win this series, and so now... The Padres on this road trip, after back back to back, uh, two out of three series wins, they are four and two on the road trip so far. Easy math there. All right, we'll go with Tuesday's games first, and then Wednesday, and then Thursday. Uh, again, just a quick reminder: episode 164 is out with Heath Bell. Episode 165, my reaction about Juan Soto, is also out on the podcast platforms, and on YouTube. All right, let's get to this Philly series. On Tuesday, the Padres would win 3 to nothing. This was Mike Clevenger's day to start, and it was a Mackenzie Gore piggyback. It was a very successful piggyback, might I say. Uh, in the top of the fifth here, Robinson Cano recorded his first Padres hit on a little blooper to center field. Uh, he, he was really excited, you know, really excited, showed some emotion. Uh, after getting that single. Um, and then that was before Nola drove in Myers uh, on that fielder's choice. Uh, again, situational hitting from Austin Nola. That, that's what he does. That's pretty much what he's known for, at least this year. And that made it one nothing Padres. Uh, in the seventh, Cano had 
it wasn't an RBI single, but he hit the ball that scored the run. If that makes sense, he got a hit and a run scored on that play. Kyle Schwarber um, let the ball go under his glove. I mean, what else can you say? Yeah, did Will Myers maybe force the issue or force Schwarber to look up a little bit and be too worried about the runner instead of just retrieving the ball first? Yeah, you can make that argument. But nonetheless, Schwarber botched it, and it went straight under his glove. And Will Myers ended up scoring. That made it 2-0. And then it was 3-0 when Trent Grisham doubled in the right center field gap. So a good day out of him. You haven't seen a whole lot of good days offensively out of Grisham, but it was good to see there uh, that Grisham come through there to give the Padres a good insurance run. Did they need it? No, because they shut out the Phillies. But you'd rather be up 3-0 than 2-0, right? Um, But in this game, yeah, Trevor Rogers came in, one inning, no runs, struck out a guy, his 14th save on the year. After that game, he had a 5.56 ERA. Uh, He picked up another save today uh, in the series finale. Yeah, he was good. But the story here was the piggyback, Clev and Gore, both of them shutting out the Phillies. Yeah, of course, they didn't have Harper, I understand. But they still have some good guys there. They still have Hoskins and Castellanos and Schwarber um, and Real Muto, right? They still have some good bats there that can still do damage. And Clev and Gore did not really allow that. Clevenger, five innings, did not give up a run, only allowed one hit, didn't walk any guys. So you know me, anyone that listens or watch this show, you know that I hate walks. If you walk a guy, not one guy, but if you walk multiple guys, that leads to multiple base runners, and like we saw with Blake Snell's outing yesterday in the second game of the series, those walks usually come back to bite you and end up scoring. And that was not the case here with Clev because he didn't walk anyone. He struck out five. He only went seventy-five pitches, and that's pretty. Uh, that's fine with me. You know, he went plus. He went ninety-plus pitches in his first two starts, and so I totally understand the Padres saying, "Hey, look, five shutout innings, gave up one hit." You know, no walks. He pitched amazing. Let's just end it here at like 75 pitches and scale it back a little bit here because it's a long season. And it also helps when you have a guy named Mackenzie Gore coming back, you know, coming into the game out of the bullpen, right? And shutting out the Phillies and doing his part, right? And he goes three innings of shutout ball, the sixth, seventh, and the eighth. Remember, this was the first time that he threw a relief outing for the Padres. Um, probably the first time in the minor leagues as well because he's a starter. He was developed as a starter, drafted as a starter. Padres want him to be an ace for years to come, and I think he can do that. But with the uh, you know, the number of starting pitchers that are in the Padres rotation right now that are starters and are veterans, Gore goes to the bullpen. That's just the way it is. They're trying to save some innings. I was a little surprised that he actually went three innings. Um, like initially when I was watching the game, because I thought the plan was him to go like one or two innings so they could literally save innings off of his arm to, you know, use later in the year because it's probably like 150 innings that he's going to throw this year. And so just save innings anywhere that you can during the season and everyone in the rotation's healthy, so use them. Uh, they had the off day after the Brave series, so you have the bullpen ready. But they still go three innings, and looking back at it now, looking at the pitch count, he went three innings and it was 40 pitches. I'm not too surprised that they allowed him to go three innings because those 40 pitches were very, 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 I'm going to say very, I'm just going to continue saying very, but they were very efficient. 
Uh, and so I'm glad that they let him go three innings. They probably had that pitch count in mind. They probably wanted two innings, figured it would be like 20 pitches a piece. But when he's that effective, you allow him to go three because he's, it doesn't matter. He went the 40 pitches, and then you take him out. So I, I loved what I saw out of Clev, loved what I saw out of Gore attacking the strike zone. That's not something that really Snell did uh, very well in the second game, and we'll get to that. But the story of Tuesday's game, Padres win 3 nothing. is it wasn't really the offense. While it was great that Cano came through and Grisham came through, uh, but the story was that piggyback working. And then in the second game, which we can move to now, uh, on Wednesday, the Padres lost, but the story of that game as well was the second half of the piggyback kind of working. I know Stammen came in between Snell and Martinez, but the second back of that real piggyback, meaning Martinez, worked as well. Um, so Padres, like I mentioned, lost 3 nothing on Wednesday. So 3 nothing scores back-to-back days, back-to-back nights, but one of them was went towards the Phillies, one went towards the Padres. Uh, Snell got the start. He walked two in the first, and those two walks ended up being really costly for him because that second walk put the first walk on second base and put that guy in scoring position for JT Romito to drive him in on an RBI single up the middle to make it one nothing Phillies. Uh, and then it was 2 nothing Phillies when Blake Snell left a pitch over the middle of the plate to Reese Hoskins. Uh, he hit that one over the fence and left for a homer. And then it was 3-0 in the fourth. Snell could not get out of the fourth. The Padres tried to get to allow Snell to go through four innings, get through four innings, but he couldn't do it. He, uh, I think the pitch to Odubel Herrera that he lined uh, down the right field line and that drove in the third run for the Phillies that that night on, uh, when was that, Thursday? No, Wednesday, yesterday. Confusing my days. Um, But that, that pitch that he gave up to Odubel I think it was supposed to be outside and ended up being down and in, and Odubel just took it down the line. He, he got out in front of it, and he capitalized on Snell's mistake. And Snell ended up going in this game, let's see, he went three and two-thirds innings. He allowed those three earned runs that I mentioned, three hits. He walked three, which were two of those walks were big. Two of them, two of those three walks came around to score. He struck out five. He gave up that home run to Reese Hoskins, and I don't know if I should say that I was mad at the performance because I guess I mean, we should have expected it, right? Snell, this is what he was the majority of last season. It's his first start this year in the major leagues. But I guess the reason that I was mad initially from the start was, or I just said I wasn't mad, but I was a little irked, I'll say that, was because it's the same thing that we saw last year, right? You, you would think that with Niebla and, and, I don't know, just other factors, it being a new year, him being healthy, that he would come in and attack the zone. It felt like in the minor leagues he was attacking the zone. And I know that you can't compare the minor leagues to the major leagues and to the Phillies batting lineup, uh, batting order, but it's still you're still pitching 60 feet, 6 inches away. Try to attack the strike zone, you know? To be honest, if you're going to tell me that, hey, Ben, the Padres going to this game, you're facing Zach Wheeler, who was, what, a top three Cy Young finalist last year, pitched really well last year, and you're probably not going to win this game. You're actually going to lose this game. I would rather lose the game and Snell give up like five runs and attack the zone than him uh, just not be able to find the strike zone and lose 3 nothing. if that makes sense. Like, the nibbling, right? People 
there were so many people that were saying that Snell was nibbling. I didn't really agree with that notion that he was nibbling. I think he just couldn't find the strike zone consistently enough. Um, consistently enough. You know, like, it was just, it started in the first inning with those walks, right? I don't, I mean, as I was watching it, it didn't feel like he was getting ahead of a bunch of batters. It just felt like he just couldn't consistently find the zone. That, that, that was my takeaway from it. And so, I guess it can only go up from here, right? I mean, saying that it can only go up from here is making it seem like, oh, this start was trash, right? No, it wasn't trash. I mean, he gave up three runs. He didn't get kicked out of the game in the first inning. He had a good second inning, I'll, I'll say that. Um, but, yeah, still getting up the home run, not hitting his spots. It just feels like it's the same story as last year. That's why it's my concern. So if you want to come at it from the viewpoint of, hey, you know, it's the first start of the year. You can't criticize him yet. You know, give him a few starts. Okay, I'll under- I understand that. But it's not like he was throwing pitches over the plate and getting smashed, right? He, he left some pitches over the plate, no doubt. But there was those three walks, right? Pitches, he just wasn't throwing consistent strikes, consistently strikes enough, if that makes sense. He said that after the game. Uh, and he, he thought that his stuff was there. He just got to attack the zone more. And until he does that, I, I can't be encouraged by what I'm seeing on the Blake Snell. So give me your thoughts in the comments if you're in here live. I know Eric and Tupac13 uh, have commented. Hope you guys are doing well. Um, as we continue, yeah, just give me your thoughts on anything in this series. Uh, you know, with the rest of this game, the Padres, I mean, they were dominated by Zach Wheeler. What else can you say? Wheeler went seven innings, didn't give up a run, didn't walk anyone. He gave four hits. Cronenworth had that double off of him, but then that was the only guy that they had in scoring position the entire game. You had Hassan Kim making that base running mistake early. Don't know what he was doing there. You would have had a runner in scoring position there. That would have been the, the first runner in scoring position of the game, and the Padres would have had at least two instead of one. You would have had a runner in scoring position with Manny coming up. Instead, you had two outs with Manny coming up and no one on. That was frustrating. Uh, you could have maybe tried getting to him there in that first inning, but you didn't. Um, so it was just a frustrating night overall with Snell, you know, just not throwing enough strikes in my opinion. And then just getting dominated by a guy that entering the start last night was not the same guy that he was last year when he was the finalist for a Cy Young. That's just not who he has been this year. And so it was frustrating to see that, but I, I can't sit here also and say that, Hey, the Padres should have won this game. They scored zero runs, and Blake Snell didn't pitch well enough. You're not going to win those games. You know, it's not like the Phillies' defense was terrible like the Braves was that last Saturday game where they gave they gifted the game to the Padres, and the Padres didn't capitalize on it. You know, Stephen Wilson choked. That wasn't the way it was here. They, they were losing from the get-go with Snell on the mound. So at least they lost a game that they should have lost, if that makes sense. Um so they were 23 and 14 after that game. Nick Martinez, I do want to give him props. After Gore shuts out the Phillies in night one of this series, coming in out of the bullpen, uh, you know, first time in the bullpen. Same thing with Martinez, first time in the bullpen, and he shuts down the Phillies. So props to him. Four innings, only gives up two hits. Uh, he did not walk anyone, so obviously not walking anyone. You're not giving up those free passes. You're keeping that pitch count pretty low. 
and then struck out six guys. The changeup was working. It seems like the changeup's always working with him. It's more of, okay, can the fastball work? You know, and, and when he was starting some games this year, the fastball wasn't always working, right? So that's the only issue with him. But, I mean, last night he was really, really good. So props to him, props to Mackenzie Gore for pitching well, not worrying not worrying at all where they're pitching, right? They're giving you innings. It, it shouldn't matter where you're pitching if you're starting or relieving. Long term, I want Gore to be a starter. But if the rotation's healthy and Snell starts to pitch better, okay, Gore and Martinez, you're relievers now. And that makes the team better as a whole pitching-wise, right? If Snell continues not to pitch as great as he probably should or not pitch as great as Gore or Martinez, okay, then look, we're going to have to start to have a conversation of Blake Snell potentially going to the bullpen and Gore or Martinez being that fifth guy in the rotation. Just telling you how it is. You know, do the Padres want to admit that now? No. And are they thinking about that now? Probably not. Because it is Blake Snell, and it is his first start this year. And he did have those flashes at the end of last year, that that like month stretch where he was pitching like the 2018 Blake Snell, like the World Series Blake Snell before he was taken out by Kevin Cash, right? which is still one of the dumbest decisions ever. Um, but it's going to be a conversation. I think it's a question that's definitely going to have to be answered at some point uh, if Snell continues to not throw strikes consistently enough when you have Nick Martinez and Blake, uh, excuse me, and Mackenzie Gore, um, you know, walking minimal guys. You have Martinez not walking anyone and striking out six guys out of the bullpen. Would you rather have him starting or would you rather have him out of the bullpen? You know, if he was starting, maybe it would be 0-0 there. And then you could go to a rested bullpen. Instead, you're down 3 nothing, and regardless of how good he pitched, you lose the game. I'm not saying that the offense would have magically showed up, but I am saying that it just, the score just looks different. You know? Um, so, so that's the game. Padres lost that one on Wednesday, 3 nothing to the Phillies. Moving to Thursday's game, the Padres ended up winning this one. They took it 2 nothing. so... They combined to score five runs in these three games. You'd hope that the lineup would have showed up a little bit more. But I'm still encouraged by what I'm seeing, mainly from Robinson Cano. And he came through today with another two-hit day. Well, I shouldn't say another. It might be his first two-hit day as a Padre. And in this series, he ended up going three for eight with an RBI in these two games that he played. Did not play yesterday, remember. Voight had those at-bats. Which, to be honest, Voight should not be getting as uh, more at-bats or as many at-bats as Cano right now, to be honest. Yeah, you could say that Voich, uh needs to get at-bats and Cronenworth's not playing well. Well, I'd rather have Cano DH and, and Cronenworth go play second base. Because while Cano's playing well, I still believe in Cronenworth more than I do in Voight. And Cano's hitting better than Voight, so you have Cano and Cronenworth there. That's what I would do. But moving to Thursday's game, Padres went 2 to nothing. They improved to 24-14. and 14. 10 games over 500. Uh, in the top of the first, I talked about this on my post-game reaction. I, I, I thought that, man, this was definitely an opportunity for the Padres to cash in here. They had a runner in scoring position with no outs, and they could not come through. This seems like it's always something that's going to bite the Padres in the butt later in the game, and that's not what happened uh, because they ended up winning. They ended up shutting out the Phillies, so that's all good there. But, uh, but in that first inning, 
Hosmer popped up. Profar grounded out. Myers struck out uh, to waste an opportunity there in the first. But the good news is in the fourth, the Padres came back. Cano had an RBI single to right field that nearly took Myers' head off. I encourage you to go watch that replay. My goodness. That ball was literally, it, it was, you, he probably felt the wind from that ball, uh, that liner from Cano's bat, Myers did. I mean, my goodness. And then he had like a belly flop in the third base. Maybe he forgot that he had hands to dive. No idea what happened there. But nonetheless, uh, Cano with that RBI single to right made it one nothing. Padres in the fourth. Kim with a sack fly to left scored Myers. Myers ended up uh, having some good base running. Knowing on on that tag play, knowing that Schwarber doesn't have the strongest arm, and to test him, and that paid off. Padres, that was their only uh, run that they would score the last four and what four and two thirds innings or whatever it was. They went two nothing in this game. That was it. Fourth thing was their only runs that they scored in this game. A runner on third base with two outs. There was another uh, scenario or situation where Grisham flew out to right. I think it was on the warning track, if I remember correctly. Uh, and So that was another situation that they didn't capitalize on. But they got the 2-0 win. That's all that matters. Uh, and the story in this game, kind of like how the Martinez was the story in last night's game, I think, Nick Martinez, and then Clev and Gore in, in the first night. While Cano played well, the story is the pitching. Another shutout here. That's two shutouts for the Padres in these three games. And you, Darvish, pitched probably his best outing this year. Uh, in the chat, you can say another outing that you might think was better. I'm not looking at his game logs. I'm just going off the top of my head. Uh, his worst start, obviously, was the San Francisco game. And then his best start probably so far this year was today against the Phillies. And he ends up going 108 pitches. I like them allowing him to go over 100 pitches. And guess what? He saved the bullpen even more in this series. I mean, who in the bullpen had to throw? Actual bullpen relievers. It was Taylor Rodgers and Craig Stammen and Luis Garcia, right? Three guys. That's it. Who had to throw the entire series? Because Gore came in. Martinez came in. I mean, and then Darvish went seven innings today, right? So... It was great out of the starting pitching other than Snell and then the piggyback guys to come in and really give this bullpen almost a full series off, most of the guys anyway. And even the guys that did pitch, you got multiple days off, most most of those guys in the series. Darvish, those seven innings he goes, shuts the Phillies out, doesn't give up a run, doesn't walk anyone. So to go over to go seven innings and not walk anyone, that's pretty huge. Six hits, struck out five. Uh, he only allowed two runners to get into scoring position. So I thought that was huge that I saw uh, in the box score and definitely wanted to write that down to tell you guys. I mean, there's there's shutouts, but there's some times where, like, they get out of jams. Uh, I don't think Nick Martinez shut out the Dodgers that one start that he had, but there was that one start at home earlier this year where he got out of some jams there, double plays, stuff like that, um, where there's a lot of guys in scoring position. And so maybe the box score doesn't totally, like the runs column doesn't totally tell you the full story. Like he was allowing a lot of runners in scoring position, for example. With Darvish here, only allowing two guys to get into scoring position, there's still talented guys, like I said earlier. There's still talented guys in this lineup, even without Bryce Harper. Um, so just a fantastic day out of him. High IQ. He had that one ground ball that was up the middle. He was about to stab at it. 
and instead he swiped his glove away, took his glove away because he knew Cano was right behind him to end the inning there. Uh, I forget what inning it was, but he, it was just good IQ out of him there. Yeah, just a good day overall. Five batters. He only faced five batters over the minimum 21 that he could have faced. Uh, he got seven flyouts. He got five ground outs. Just mixing up the ways that he was getting outs. And so I'm really encouraged from what I saw from you, uh, Darvish, today. Uh, and from a lot of the guys in this pitching staff. Taylor Rogers got out of some jams today, right? Nick Martinez pitched well yesterday. Clev and Gore pitched well in the first game. And then you got Musgrove going, Manaya going um, in the San Francisco series, and maybe Gore on Sunday, which we'll get to. So I'm really encouraged by what I saw most of the guys, excluding Snell, um, in this series from the pitching staff really as a whole. Uh, so a good job out of them. Uh, there, were, there were a couple of jams. I mean, like I mentioned, the jams from Rodgers, first and third, two outs. He got out of it with the inning ending, grounded a second. And then he got his major league leading 15th save in the ninth striking out Gene Segura after a long at-bat. Props to Segura, but even more props to uh, Taylor Rogers. Segura kept fouling off pitches. Rogers, yeah, there were some pitches in that bat that weren't close, almost hit Segura a couple times. But then he came back and continued to use that slider that hey, he just threw the pitch not as inside, and Segura then fouled those off, right? So some of those pitches, sliders that he threw ended up being balls, but those pitches look like strikes instead of ones that almost hit Segura that never look like a strike. So even as the at-bat progressed there, you could see some progress from Rodgers in terms of uh, hitting that strike zone. So, I mean, my takeaways, like I mentioned, I've already kind of said it, this whole episode is the pitching. Gore, Martinez, Clev, Rodgers. Uh, Stammen did good that one uh, few pitches that he had. What was that? Yesterday. And then Darvish today with the shutout, seven innings. Really encouraged by what us what I saw out of the pitching. Now, Wilson, Suarez, those are two other question marks. They're going to get in that San Francisco series. I would guarantee that. How are they going to do? Um, but the Padres pitching staff, the guys that did pitch, you know, they saved the uh, pitching staff, the bullpen. And I can look up the uh, bullpen chart. I think I've updated it already. Um, hang on one second, waiting for my Wi-Fi to load here. So Rodgers had 23 pitches today. Luis Garcia had 15. So Wilson has not pit. He had he's had at least five days off. Suarez has had at least five days off. Chris Matt has had at least four days off. Um, and then Gorn might pitch Sunday. He would have, uh, I believe, four days off, and would be good to go because he only pitched 40 pitches on uh, Tuesday. So this bullpen is rested. And I think Rodgers could go back-to-back days if there's a safe situation tomorrow. So really, really big props to this bullpen, this starting rotation, uh, for saving the rest of the bullpen, right? Um, So did he have over – Omar said he had over 30 pitches. Did he? The box score I looked at was that he was in the 20s. But, I mean, the pitching staff only giving up three runs in these three games was huge. Two shutouts, that was big. Uh, after a shaky Atlanta series, I'd say, right? And my Wi-Fi doesn't want to cooperate. 
So, oh, here we go. Come on, come on, come on. Doesn't want to load. All right. Oh, here it is. Oh, maybe not. The MLB app is not cooperating with me right now. Okay, here it is. Uh, yeah, Rogers had 33. Okay, yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, Lakeham, I just said that. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll update that. I'll update that right now, actually, before I put that out tomorrow. Um, 33 from Rogers. Yeah, so those are my main, my main takeaways are the pitching. And then Robinson Cano, obviously, that was big out of him what he did this series and he deserves to have more playing time than Luke Voigt does right now. That's just the way it is. Luke Voigt is continuing to strike out, not hit the fastball, swinging out of his shoes. And Cano is fine with taking the ball the other way. Like he did the other night, having a bloop single. He's fine with that. And doesn't seem like Luke Voigt wants that, wants to have that approach right now. Um, so I guess we can move right into the San Francisco series. San Francisco did not play today, so we can just go right into the records and um, the pitching matchups and all that. Yeah, Omar, I agree. Cano looks happy right now. I think he wasn't really that happy with the Mets because he knew that he wasn't going to get a lot of playing time. I'm not saying he's going to get a lot of playing time here, but he should get more than Voight. Um, and he's on a team that wants him, obviously. When someone, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously not a major leaguer, but when someone wants you and they express that they want you and they know they think you can impact their team and help their team, all of a sudden you like, one, you want to go fight for that team that you're on, right? You want to go f- run through a wall for that manager, that front office that brought you in, that gave you that opportunity. And you also want to, in the back of that mind, of Cano's mind, you're like, F you, Mets. You know, you want to stick it to them. Because they're like, you know what? I'm not saying this is the wrong decision by the Mets because they have a different roster construction than the Padres do. But from Cano's point of view, hey, you know what, Mets? You're going to pay me over $30 million the next two years to not play for you? Screw you. You're going to regret this decision. And now I'm going to go help another contender win games. You know, that's my, that, that would be my viewpoint on it. If I was Cano, screw you Mets. Thank you Padres. I want to go run a run through a wall for you. That's what I would think. And Omar. Yeah. Also less stressful from that New York fan base. I mean, yeah, kind of, I don't, I don't know if players care that much though, to be honest. Yeah, they love their fans. New York has really, really passionate fans. I was there for college this year. Very passionate fans. Uh, And the Padres have very passionate fans too. So I don't know if it's really less stressful. I think maybe it's less stressful in terms of, I guess, expectations or like the contract because he's not making a lot here. And he came here to be a bench player. So whatever he does well, it's a cherry on top. I guess that maybe that less stressful aspect of it. I agree with that. Um, but in terms of the fan base, the Padres, we have, we have passionate fans. So I don't know if I agree with that point. All right. Padres Giants gets underway on Friday this weekend. The Padres next series, 
They are 10 games over 500 entering this series. Friday night, 7.15 p.m. Pacific time at Shamanai on the bump for the Padres against former Royal Jacob Junis. Uh, he has a 1.74 ERA. I don't know how many uh, starts he has this year. I'll look that up right now. Kind of just doing this on the fly. Four games, tw- 20 innings, essentially. Um, so not a huge sample size. But I I think they had a starter hurt, so that's why he's in the rotation. So, uh, I mean, four starts, that's okay. Um, he hasn't walked more than two batters. And he hasn't allowed more than two runs in any start. So that's going to be a good pitching matchup, it seems like. Manaya and Junis tomorrow night. So that's a good way to start the series. Maybe not for the Padres' offense, but like fan-wise watching the game. And then on Saturday, this game I think is going to be on FS1. It's a 105 start. Musgrove against Carlos Rodon. Uh, did I just say Rodon? Rodon, sorry. Former White Sox. Uh, he has a 3-4-9 ERA. And that ERA doesn't really tell the whole story. He got roughed up his last start against the Cardinals on Sunday Night Baseball. Or maybe it wasn't his last start. Uh, it might be. It might have been. Um, but it was last Sunday Sunday night baseball against the Cardinals. That was that blowout where Albert Pujols ended up pitching. He got shacked, shellacked, shacked. I have a shack in my backyard. He got shellacked in that start uh, against the Cardinals on Sunday night. So that ERA definitely inflated. He was pitching really, really well with the Giants. So that's going to be another great pitching matchup. Musgrove is one of the top guys, I would say, for the Cy Young this year in the National League. I know it's May 19th right now. Then it's too early. I understand that, but I'm going to give Musgrove his props whenever I can. Any Padres pitcher who's in that Cy Young conversation at any point in the year, I, I don't care. I'm a Padre fan. I'm going to give them their props. Um, so Musgrove Rodon, that's that's going to be another good pitching matchup. And then Sunday, that's the same start time, 105. It'll be Mackenzie Gore probably. I've heard some reports that that's might be when he's his next start is. Or it might be the Milwaukee series when they come back home to face Milwaukee after this Giants series. He'll be or whoever starts the Padres game that day will be facing Alex Wood. Alex Wood has a three seven three ERA. Remember, he obviously is the former Dodger. I think he was with the Reds for a little bit. He has thirty four and a third innings so far this year under his belt. A WHIP almost at one point four. It's not the greatest. Uh, he gave the most runs he's given up in a start is five. That was on April 29th against the Nats. His last start out didn't even get through five innings, allowed three earned runs, 88 pitches. So he's gone over 100 pitches once. That was his second to last start. So if Gore pitches, I'd give the Potters the advantage here in this Sunday game, and that might end up being the rubber match if they take Friday's game and they can't win Saturday with Rodon on the mound. Um, that might end up being the rubber match of the series. And I'd expect the Padres to win the series. I mean, they're playing well. The pitching staff, the bullpen is fully ready for the series, including Chris Matt. Um, and yeah, Manaya Musgrove going the first two games. I'm not saying the Giants have two trash guys going the first two games because they certainly don't in terms of what they've done this year. But I'd take Manaya and Musgrove over pretty much anyone right now in Major League Baseball for the first two games of a series. And so I think that with that, and then the offense score a few runs, uh, 
I think they have a good chance of winning this series against the Giants and going home, having this road trip end up being, what would that be? A If they take two out of three, a six and three road trip. That would be pretty good. And then even if they if they win, to, so they won today, and let's say they lose the series to the Giants, what would that be, five and four? Five and four road trip? I'd still be fine with that. I guess, I mean, if they get blown out the two games, obviously that would suck. But if it's close, and let's say Sunday, it's a close matchup, and the Giants offense just gets more one more run across, I mean, I, I don't think I could be mad at that, really. Um, let me know your expecta- expectations of this Padre Giants series. You think the Padres definitely should win this series, or um, would you be okay with the five and four road trip? Let me know in the chat here. And meantime, we'll go. Let's go a little bit through Major League Baseball standings wise for, uh, I mean, at least the National League West here, because there's minimal games today. So as of right now, as I'm talking right now. Dodgers are in first, a game and a half up on the Padres at 25 and 12. They've won five games in a row. And their run differential is plus 83. The Padres are a game and a half back of the Dodgers of that first place spot in the National League West. Their run differential is plus 18. So a more than 60 run differential between a first place team and a second place team. And they're only a game and a half away from each other. So that just shows how great the Padres pitching has been. And then San Francisco, Colorado, and Arizona round out the division. There's a four-game gap between third-place San Francisco and fourth-place Colorado right now. Uh, And only a four-game gap, and San Francisco's run differential is plus 35, which is better than the Padres, by the way, and they're not in second place over the Padres. But a plus 35 run differential for the Giants and a negative 30 run differential for Colorado. And that's the difference between the third-place team and the fourth-place team in the National League West. Wow. Wow. The Rockies are 5-10 on the road. The Diamondbacks in last place, they're 8-10 on the road, 10-11 at home. Their run differential is actually a little bit better than the uh, the Rockies at negative 28. So that's kind of what the division looks like. Lakeum, thank you for participating here. Yeah. Says, I would be fine with two wins from the Giants series. I would be too. Obviously, a sweep is great. Um, but this road trip is, I thought, was going to be a duff, uh, a duff, a rough road trip. Uh, a tough road, not rough, maybe, a tough road trip. I think that's a better word. That's probably the word that I meant to say there. Um, but with the Braves, obviously, reigning champs. And then the Phillies, I was thinking that they'd have Harper playing uh, because he was playing in the, in the Dodger series. Um, and then obviously the, the Giants, they're probably a playoff team at the end of the year, at least right now. So that's a tough road trip. And then you got to come back and play Milwaukee at home. So I'm fine with the five and four road trip. I'm not saying that, hey, let's go lose this series to the Giants. No, of course you're trying to sweep. You're trying to win the series. But I'd be fine with the five and four road trip based on the caliber of teams that they're playing. Um, So I think that's going to do it. This has been fun. Episode 166 of the Talking Fires podcast and YouTube show. I am Ben Fan, your host. This episode is sponsored by Gaglion Bros Famous Cheesesteaks and Garlic Fries, located in Point Loma and Mission Gorge and inside Petco Park during the entire season. 
garlic fries. Great garlic fries. Great cheesesteaks. I had a cheesesteak with the cheese whiz uh, on top when I came back home on uh, last Wednesday uh, at that Padres-Cubs game. That was great. Um, so gagglingbros.com, you can view their entire menu there, their addresses, their phone numbers. If you have any questions, feel free to contact them there. Um, they're the sponsor, great sponsor uh, for the Talking Fires podcast and YouTube show. I'm trying to get on a guest tomorrow. We'll see what happens there. Again, another guest that I had on this week, Heath Bell. That interview is up, podcast platforms, and on YouTube. And the Juan Soto reaction is also up as well. All right, everyone, that'll do it. Enjoy your night. Don't even have Padres baseball on, but guess what? You got a Padres series win, so you don't have to worry about losing the series, right? You already got it in the bag. All right, everyone, this has been 166. See ya.